Hello and welcome to The Retro, that's Agile podcast. You can get us on Twitter at The Retro Pod, all one word, and we've just recorded a fantastic episode. We've been talking about Kanban. Is it the gateway drug into Agile? How deep can you go with such a simple but effective way of working? Tom, what did you think? You know what? This has been a fantastic episode. We've been talking about practical tools to start using Kanban. We've been talking about developers trying not to look busy and what happens when we overload teams and what it does to behaviors, what it does to quality. You know what? We've covered it all in this episode. Kanban, Scrum, great teams, great ways of working. It's definitely one to add to the uh, add to the bookmarks. Enjoy. Hello there and welcome to The Retro, That's Agile podcast. My name is Tom Hoyland and you can get me on Twitter as That's Agile. I'm joined as ever by my friend and co-host, Mr. Bennett. Tom, how are you doing, friend? I'm doing really well, thanks. Really well indeed. Uh, you can get me on Twitter as well at Bennett Agile. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's a really interesting topic and something that I'm looking forward to jumping into. Me too. We're going to be talking about Kanban today. And uh, we are joined by our guest, Darren, Darren Aitchison. How are you doing, Darren? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well, folks. It's great to be here. Great to have you with us. Doing as well as can be expected after a year and a half working in the bedroom like everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's become pretty claustrophobic, hasn't it? Um, It has, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back out there. We, we are as well. So, Darren, why don't you give us a bit of a flavour of, um, of of who you are and, um, and 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 how you've ended up where you are today? Then, if you give us a quick quick overview of um, just just you um, and, and the career so far, and then we can sort of lead quite nicely into um, into what we're going to talk about today. Okay, um, as you you can maybe tell from the accent, I'm I'm from Northern Ireland. Um, quite a rural part of Northern Ireland, which makes the accent even stronger than it normally would be. Um, so hopefully everyone will be able to understand me today. My career, uh, it, I've been kind of through all the classic software roles. I started off as a developer a long time ago, probably 25 years or so ago. Um, I stayed in that for quite a while. Uh, then as most developers do, sort of the only way up from there was to go into team management, which Yeah, I did for a couple of years and it was okay. Uh, I then took a quick career break for a couple of years just to to escape from that for a little while. Uh, Came back to the same company that I left two years previously, started in again as a team manager. Um, And from there, I did that probably for about six, seven years of of managing managing teams there. Uh, Decided, yeah, probably had enough of the people management side of things. So I decided to move into Scrum Mastering after that. And I've really been in various Scrum Master and Agile coaches for probably about the past, say, four or five years. Um, but I've been interested in Kanban for probably about the past seven, eight years. Um, at the moment, currently taking my first dive into the world of contracting after being a permanent employee for so long. Um, so I'm in the middle of my first contract with one of the London boroughs at the moment. Uh, so I'm I'm getting used to that. Brilliant. How does um? I, I wonder how many how, how many people from rural and rural Ireland uh, fall into software software development as a as a career? I, I can imagine it's not the most common path. Well, it, actually, it's probably everyone at the moment since they keep bringing in foreign investors, foreign foreign companies, foreign software companies who set up in Belfast, and they they need every software person they can get at the moment. To be honest. They keep announcing new companies setting up and generally 
the first question is, well, where where are they going to stuff stuff these new companies from? But they always find enough people. So, but ironically, actually, the um, where I'm working at the moment, there's actually another guy from Northern Ireland working there. Um, he's he's lived in England for quite a while now, but his name is Darren as well, and he's from Northern Ireland. So, the only distinguish distinguishing thing we have is our surname. So that's the only way they can tell us apart at the moment. Imagine that gets a bit confusing in the old team meeting. It it does, yeah. It's <laughs> Darren A or the other Darren or <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. So talk to us a little bit more about why you um what, what why we're going to be discussing what we're discussing today, which is um which is Kanban um and your um your 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 um your, your love for it and how, and, and I guess how it's um, how it's changed the way that you work and that you work with with your teams. Where, where did that sort of initial um where that initial sort of fascination come from and, and how did that sort of grow and develop? Yeah, Kanban was something I sort of stumbled into. It was just after I had come back from my career break and I was assigned to manage a team who did production deployments and so on at four o'clock in the Monday morning or four o'clock in the Sunday morning, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, through no fault of anyone at all, associated with the team it just wasn't working as well as it should have been deployments were taking a long time um it was a little bit chaotic the the stakeholders and the people using the service weren't entirely happy with it so it kind of came to the point look we have to do something here and strangely it was one of our software architects who actually posted on some kind of internal ideas board about we should all be using Kanban boards. So I read this and thought, well, what, what's a Kanban board? Um, so I went and Googled it, as you do, and discovered this, this strange Kanban thing. I thought, okay, we'll give this a try. I'll kind of break the rule here and tell the team that, look, we're doing this. Um, this was before I learned that Scrum Masters and so on don't do that kind of thing. But I, I said to him, look, can we give this a try and see if it works? And we started putting a really, really simple Kanban board in place for our process of everything that had to happen before the deployment day itself. Um, it took a little while, but eventually we saw that start to make a difference to the quality of the work that these folks were doing. Um, there was no more last minute rush. There was no more, we can't do your deployment if you come to us like less than seven days beforehand. It gave us a lot more predictability. Um, it actually ended up making our, our stakeholders and service users a lot happier than they were previously. And actually the quality of the deployments themselves started to go up because we had done much better preparation beforehand. Obviously, in an ideal world, that would all have been automated, but we weren't quite at that stage at that point. So, think, it's, sorry, go on, go on, Cara. No, go ahead, Tom. Do you think then that the, the the choice of Scrum wasn't right for the environment and the nature of the the work that you that you were working? Um, they weren't actually doing Scrum initially. Um, <laughs> they they just just had some sort of a process that hadn't really any organization around it like i say through no fault of anyone associated with the team 
Um, the strange thing was after we did Kanban for a while and just before I moved on, we were more or less told you're, go you're going to use Scrum. The whole organization is going Scrum. You folks will use Scrum. And that just did not work. Um, it almost undid all the good work that we had done previously through Kanban. Scrum itself just was not a good fit for the type of work that we were doing. It was service request handling and it was unpredictable and it's not something you could plan a two-week sprint. Yeah, I think uh, I've mentioned and I think I've posted on LinkedIn quite a bit about my, my displeasure. Uh, when I see teams that have got volatile work, you've got different classes of service. Uh, some things are really predictable. Uh, not just in the uh, in when you're going to get things, but also the nature of that work, how it's shaped, uh, and if you've got things that are coming to that team in a in in a service in a service form, then why would you be using Scrum? That sounds like a, a really interesting situation, and, and especially not a great situation, being forced to be dragged back almost to that way of working that you just know based on evidence which is what Kanban is based on, you know, evidence and, and uh, empiricism and insight-led change, that actually that way of working doesn't work based on the environment that you're working in. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. And it, it almost caused a little bit of resentment on the team because they had made such progress using Kanban and then they were, they were being dragged back into something they didn't necessarily want to do. I understand why the organization wanted to go fully scrum, but it wasn't taking account of the context in which my, my particular team was operating. That's really... I was, I was going to ask if you, I mean, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, this, is, this, is, this is a question that I don't know the answer to, but in, in, in that situation, because I've, I've never been in that situation before, how, how does that decision get made? I, I, I find it really hard to, I, I find it really hard to understand how an organization can decide that a process wrapper is, a, a process can be wrapped around, you know, an entire, an, an entire enterprise and expect that that to work in the same way for one team as it does for all the rest of the teams. That blows my mind, honestly. I don't understand how those sorts of decisions get made. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really attribute blame to anyone. If, if you have a, a project management officer, whatever you want to call them, they're used to putting in place a, pro a process that is as standard as possible across the whole of the company. And maybe they just don't have the time to go and look at all the contexts that there are out there, all the different types of work that are going on. And maybe someone comes in and tells them this Scrum is great. Scrum is how you do agile, et cetera, et cetera. And they believe them and because they're told it works. Uh, and if you have a small project management office, they just do not have the time to, to invest in working with the teams to try and put something a bit more bespoke in place. Yeah, I, can, I, I, I totally empathize with that. I think some organizations just don't have the time to, to go to the Gemba, to go to the place of work and to, to go with that respect to ask questions. Because, you know, the people that are doing the work are the ones that are best informed to decide how the work is done. They are the closest ones to that. If you look at Kanban, if you look at uh, lean systems thinking, if you look at things like Toyota, the Toyota production system, it all starts with the people on the shop floor building the products. And those are the people that are best informed to decide 
how to iterate our processes, how to pull that and on cord to slow things down, to stop things, and take that responsibility for making things better. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of uh, in, in Tom's camp on this one. Uh, it boggles my mind uh, that that could be implemented. But that being said, I've been in some situations where uh, a decree has come down from on high that everybody's going to use safe when it just does not fit the environment it doesn't fit the nature of the work but i think there's a there's a huge amount of of truth in what you've said there which is about understanding what's going off uh where the work is taking place but one thing i do want to pick up on is and, and i was thinking about and reflecting on this as you were talking how the tables have turned because i think in the early stage of uh, you explaining about the team where they were and they were trying to use scrum in a pseudo scrum kind of way you, you just kind of uh, rather than uh, rather than kind of like asking them what they would like to do you kind of just suggested something let's try kanban out now that's not telling that's not instructing but that's guiding that's where that team was at, that, at the stage in their journey and that team has taken that, as you've said, and they've iterated it, they've made it good, they've made it their own, and they're driving those improvements. And now this other part of the organization has come in and said to the team, hang on a minute, you're all going back to Scrum now. But that team is a different team. It's got that maturity. It's got that awareness of where it is, where it needs to be. I think that's a massive, that's a massive achievement that you've got there because you build that team that is aware of itself. It's aware of the nature of the work and what works in different contexts. So I'd, I'd pat yourself on the back for that one, my friend. Well, it, it was as much the team's responsibility as it was mine. They, they took it and they ran with it. And actually that, that team now, more or less shortly after I left, has sort of worked itself out of existence. The progress they made, the improvements they made bought them enough spare time or free time to be able to be involved in the automation of the deployment process. So all that stuff that we did before is no longer actually needed. It's all automated now. Developers do it themselves, um, I believe, in, in most cases. So yeah, they, they did a really good job of working themselves out of a job so they can move on to something wow. else. Powerful. I mean, that, that is one, one heck of a story, isn't it? I mean, what do you think of that, Tom? I think it's um, I, yeah. I, I, I think it's really interesting. I'm I'm really interested to know what the what the quick wins were straight away, because um, I think when you roll out any new sort of process or any new methodology, you got to get buy-in and you got to look for those quick wins to get people on side. And, and and you obviously did that. So what were the what were those what were those quick enablers that were that that were, that were game changers right away for you that got the team thinking? Actually, you know what? This is this is going to work. This is this is something I want to I want to get involved with. The quick wins were the visualization of the work. That was the main win we had beforehand. Yeah, we may have kept spreadsheets and so on, but they were never there easily accessible in front of the team that they could pull up and see everything that was happening at one time. Um, so th that, for from my perspective at least, was an absolute game changer. Um, other things that helped were just having a daily... Okay, not a daily scrum, not a daily stand-up, but a daily 5, 10, 15-minute meeting to talk through what was going on on the board. Not a status meeting by any means, but so just to talk about ceremony. blockers and so on. So glad you didn't say ceremony. I can't, I can't stand it when people say Event. ceremony. <laughs> yes, good, good. Uh, I, I haven't posted about that recently. 
No, it, it was really just the basic, basic stuff. Get this stuff up on the board so we can see it and then talk about it. That's it. It's nothing more than that. Okay, we did have work limits in place as well, which which helped. But again, we didn't over-focus on those. It was just about let's see what we're actually doing here and see if we can improve it. Yeah, I think I think that is one of the key things about Kanban. It's about it is that system of visualization. And, and when I work with teams, I probably sometimes work with teams, we may do Scrum, we may do pure Kanban, we may do a mixture of those things, and we will tailor it to the to the environment that we're working in. But I think the thing that I really love about Kanban is that focus on transparency and making things visible. So not just making the work visible, but making your improvements visible too. If we're going to iterate our process, if we're going to try to automate something, well, that work is work itself and that's a first class citizen and it needs to be made visible and likewise kanban is brilliant for visualizing those policies as well you know you've mentioned things like whip limits uh, the thing i really like about kanban and the things that i find that teams really take to is when you make those policies explicit but you get agreement with people as to how they're going to hold themselves to different standards what are they going to allow through? What are the signals they're going to be listening to? What does quality look like? And how can we bake that into everything that we do? That's incredibly powerful. So for me, I mean, I love Kanban. Brilliant tool, brilliant approach to just making things visible, but then using that as the evidence to improve. Yep, agreed. And regarding the policies, as you were mentioning there, the policies are made by the team members themselves. So if they don't like them, <laughs> they can't just sit and complain about them. It's their responsibility to change them, to make them better. Have you ever come across a situation then where uh, if a team is at the beginning of its journey uh, in using Kanban and using policies and it goes into a room and it says, you know, we're going to set up these policies. This is what our final definition of done looks like. This is what it's going to take to go from in progress into uh, review or into kind of like you build an integration. Have you ever come across situations where teams pay lip service to it in a meeting, but then they don't follow it? How do you overcome that? How do you kind of like get people bought into the value of, of following those policies, even if they're a bit painful at first? Um, the main one I've seen that people will generally pay lip service to and then just ignore the first possible opportunity is the whip limit. Um, the thing that always happens that I've seen on development teams is they start working on something. And if you're doing the classic thing where it makes its way over to QA and QA are overloaded and the development task then just sits there waiting for QA. They pull new stuff in and break their whip limit immediately. Or something gets blocked in development, we can't do anything about it, so we'll just pull something new in. Um, that is a hard thing to overcome. And I think some of it comes from the fear of not looking busy. Um, there just seems to be this culture among developers of we have to look busy all the time even if we know that by pulling in this new stuff we're going to have to context switch back to the old thing whenever it becomes unblocked etc etc or if qa find a bug then it'll come back to us we have to context switch back to that so the whip limits is the main thing i've seen teams not really understanding 
why width limits are a good thing, uh, why that focus is a good thing. And why do you think it that can be from? a terribly, sorry, Tom. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that, 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 um, that almost insecurity around, 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 around workload and how much you've got on stems from? Because I think uh, certainly from what I've seen over, over the last 18 months, burnout has become a huge problem in organisations because people are sat at home and they're logging on from eight o'clock and sometimes logging off at eight o'clock because they think they need to be seen to, be look, to look busy because no one's there watching them. Um, and I think it's, it, it can be massively detrimental to culture and, and certainly to, um, to, to, to employee well-being. Um, but it's something that's really, it, it's, it's become an issue. Um, I, I, I certainly think so. And I just wonder whether, whether, whether you'd seen that as well, Tom, and, and where you think that stemmed from. So, I mean, this is something that I've always been really passionate about, and it's about how you, how you frame the team and how you talk about the team. And I know we're talking about Kanban here today, but one of the best things that Scrum ever did, in my opinion, was they stopped talking about the team as a software development team. They started talking about it as a development team, the developers, the product developers. And what that does is it strips out the role of software engineer. It strips out the role of tester, uh, UX, UI, uh, service designer, user researcher. And actually, we all become part of the same team. And that little language hack is incredibly powerful because it says very quickly, actually, we're all in this together. To get over the line, it doesn't matter what role you're in. It's not about you staying busy. It's about us all working on that same thing, huddling around that item and moving it all the way to done. And I think a lot of that comes from the way that organizations structure themselves and how people measure themselves. If you are a software engineer, and uh, you are being measured uh, and you may be using some code quality tools, something like SonarCube, or you may be using any other types of things for kind of like static uh, analysis. If you're using those tools, you're gonna to be measured by them. And they're useful tools, but they can drive a perverse behavior. They can, for, like for me, as a, as a delivery lead, it may encourage me to focus more on my agile stuff. It may focus me just to stick on my stick into uh, stick my head in my area of the business and not look outside of that i think it comes really down to the culture of that organization if you are valued as uh, as individuals that's great if you're valued as a team even better but if you are valued as professions it's no good having a ba being 100 active and a tester being totally overloaded and then developers just pulling more and more work in we only finish the race together that's how i see it mm -hmm. I don't know what you think, Darren. Yeah, it, it goes back to thinking of your team as being a system or part of another bigger system. Um, one of the things that I kind of noticed is a classic thing in like Kanban, probably up until relatively recently, was start start where you are now. Um, no, you don't have to start where you are now. And sometimes it's actively not a good thing to start where you are now. If your current process is something like analysis, design, build, test, whatever, and you think, yeah, we'll do Kanban on this and put whip limits in before test, et cetera, you're not really helping yourself that much. Sometimes it can be better to say, look, this, this process isn't great. Let's scrap it and start with what we'd like to do doing done. And in that doing column, we work as a team to get things into done. And if you end up with something like Scrum, so be it. Um, it, it's better than it was before.
and Kanban itself can, in in some circumstances, end up a bit like a production line where your testers are feeling under a load of pressure because the waiting for QA column is building up before them. It, it's something you just have to be really careful that it, it just doesn't end up feeling like you're part of a big machine that you have no real control over. I think with with Kanban though, one of the one of the principles is that sustainability. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I always go back to Dan North's definition for for what you know for what agile delivery is. It's about sustainably reducing the lead time to business impact. If you are pushing your team beyond their limits over time, that's going to degrade their quality. That's going to get passed on to your customers. And you know what? That's going to come back. It's either going to come back through incidents. It's going to come back through defects. It's going to come back through customers not happy with the quality and all the reliability of their products. And those customers are going to look elsewhere. And so it is It is very, very much a short-termism thinking that, okay, you know, if we load up the devs, we'll get the devs occupied at 80, 100% utilization. That's keeping them busy. But that's... You know that that's that's dated thinking. That is uh, that is that is Taylorism in the twenty first century, and that's not why I got into software engineering. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. And ironically, what a lot of organisations do is they load their developers up to one hundred percent, and then they put an expedite lane on top of that. Yeah, so they're now sitting at one hundred and ten or one hundred and twenty percent. Um. So yeah, it's it's a dangerous thing. Like. Kanban is never about speeding things up or never just or mainly about speeding things up. It's about, okay, helping the flow of qual- the flow of value through a process by whatever means that may be. It may be a little bit of speeding things up by removing waste or whatever. It may be by improving quality. It may be by some of the technical practices like pair programming, whatever. It's not just about speeding things up. Yeah. So with, with, with Kanban, I think Kanban's usually something or quite often something that um, is someone's first flavor of Agile. People get into Agile. I think first, a lot of people, when they, they, they think, right, I've, I'll get my Kanban board set up and, okay, cool, right, we're, we're Agile now. It's great. Um, and it often leads them down other paths. I think I've, I heard someone say this, say this in a, on a, um, a talk the other day. He said Kanban was Kanban's the gateway drug to Scrum. <laughs> and I thought, and I thought it was really funny because it was, he, and he was talking about the fact that Kanban sort of that that entry into this in, in, into this world of all these other methodologies. But you obviously seen something within Kanban that where you thought, you know, this is this is this is all I need. I, I, I don't need to go down these other paths. Um, um, whereas it can be really simple you're obviously taking it to to, to a new level whereby you, you you're finding sort of new nuances and and and, and, and exploring it deeper and, and and finding sort of greater and greater value within within quite a simple framework and i'm i'm really interested to, to know sort of how you, how you're doing that and and i guess how you keep finding new ways um to get the team engaged with kanban uh... I think that there's a couple of things that have kind of been important for me personally, uh, hopefully for teams that I've worked with as well. The first one is the fact that you can use Kanban within Scrum. Can and probably should use Kanban within Scrum. It, it's something that has only really been focused on in the past few years, but now there is, of course, the 
professional scrum with Kanban certification, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for me, that that's something that has really, really changed the game a bit. Um, you can say to a team, look, you don't necessarily have to do pure Kanban here. You're perfectly okay still doing Scrum, taking the really good stuff that Scrum has. But within that, look and see, is there something about our Scrum process that we can improve here? Um, is there some kind of waste within our doing column on our Scrum board that we can either reduce or eliminate completely? Um, just to make things a little bit easier in the middle of our scrum process. And kind of tied with that it is around the flow metrics or the Kanban metrics or whatever you want to call them. For me, again, that, that was kind of a game changer for me personally, knowing that there are metrics there that are actually really easy to get, it, unless you're using Jira, but that's a whole other topic. Um, metrics that are easy to get, that are relatively easy to understand, and that you can actually do something with. Um, actionable Agile is called Actionable Agile for a reason, because the metrics are actionable. They're easy to do something with and to show that you're improving as well. So kind of, for me, yeah, things that have changed for me since I started looking at Kanban are yeah, it, it's not the be-all and end-all of Agile. There's so much more to learn out in the Agile world there. But also the metrics the metrics are great. Uh, but again, there's the people side of things you have to consider as well. The Toyota production system was all about empowering the people um, to do things for themselves. They're not, they have their metrics but the metrics don't drive it. everything. The people themselves are what drive the, the process. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, when, when somebody pulls that and-on cord, it's not a robot that pulls the and-on cord. It's a person. And that, that person has the responsibility to get the people on that shop floor, on that production line, around and collaborating on that A3, that, that piece of paper that changed to the operating manual, to the factory, to the floor, that makes things better. But there's no reason why you can't inject those principles into things like Scrum or any of the, your other delivery approaches. Um, I, I think, you know, Agile has a lot of different approaches to it. And Kanban predates a lot of the things that we see in a lot of the Agile approaches these days. You can see concepts from Kanban nestled into all sorts of different things. Uh, but I think, you know, as you've said, Kanban is a very versatile tool. It's a really great system that you can embed, not just in your Scrum, but your Safe, whatever, whatever flavor of Agile delivery you're practicing. There's brilliant tools you can leverage from Kanban. Yeah, and I think that's something, again, that's quite often missed when we say Scrum or Kanban. They're not the same thing. Scrum is a framework. Kanban is a process improvement tool or overlay or whatever you want to call it. You overlay Kanban on some other process to improve it, whatever that may be, whether it's Scrum, whether it's some sort of service handling process. It's not a software development process, although it can help with that. Have you used, have, have you ever taken Kanban outside of software development? 
um, and, 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 and use it in another facet of work? I tried to um, in in the same company as I first introduced the Kanban on the, the service request team. I tried doing some work with HR and training department and so on there. It was starting to make progress, um, but I kind of ran out of time as I left before before we get a chance to really embed it there as well. But for me, those those kind of departments or whatever you want to call them are, are areas that can maybe actually benefit more from Kanban than the software or product development side of things can. If it takes someone's, if someone in a big organization wants to buy a book and the process to buy a book takes like four or five, six weeks, um, surely Kanban there is something that you can, you can implement to try and at least cut that process down to three, four weeks, maybe eventually get rid of the process altogether if you have any common sense. Um, but I, th I think I find companies generally don't look at how much that sort of process is actually costing them. The waste within all the stuff that kind of happens behind the scenes in a big organization, there just seems to be very little focus on that. Um, a lot of the time it's, oh, we'll just stick something like service now in front of it. And that, that will solve all our problems. And it never does. It, it ends up things take longer than they ever did before. Well, it, if it, just, want... it just adds some more things to that, to, to, the, to the overall system of work, doesn't it? It's just adding more and more things on there. It's not yes, taking correct. anything away. It's not making it any leaner. Go on, Tom, what were you going to say, mate? I was going to say, did you find the same challenges when... In, within a, within a, within the people sphere and the HR sphere, as you did with, um, as you did with a with, with a traditional software software development team, or, or, or were they different? And and um, and were you able to use the same? We were you able to use the same um, sort of methods to to help streamline that work and and and, and to help sort of help them become more efficient and and all those great things that you did with with other teams. I think, to be honest, they were almost more open to it than some software development teams that I've seen. Um, th this is no slight whatsoever on developers. They have a, a hard, hard job to do, but they can become very pigeonholed in there. We are developers. We do front end, back end, whatever. That, that is what we do. Whereas the HR and whoever else I worked with, they did seem more open to trying new things. Um, they had never had anything like a daily stand-up before, and they started doing those as part of whatever sort of Kanban they ended up introducing, and they, they found that that just really revolutionized how they worked. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still doing it or not. It's been a while since I, since I spoke to anyone from there, but... It, it did seem to make a big difference at the time. And maybe for them, because it's something that's not, they're not having agile techniques, if you want to call them that, imposed on them. Maybe it's easier for them to be, to be open to this kind of thing that they would sometimes have come to me and said, look, we, we've seen what you're doing. We want to try this rather than someone telling them they must do this yeah and i think i think my experience of um my experience of 
of, of people in HR teams is that is that the approach to delivery is often ad hoc and they're actually whereas 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 if you work with a software a software engineering team they've probably worked in a certain way before or they're probably or some of them might be wedded to a certain to a certain way of working um with a people team it's, it's it, you, you're generally coming at a blank canvas um it's generally not very process driven um and and and, and people are very open to, to trying new things when they've got nothing that they're particularly wedded to at the moment um and i guess in that sense it's like you said it's it's, it's probably easier it's, it, buying's easy to get isn't it and it's um, it, it's easy to demonstrate the value when it's more valuable than nothing because nothing was what you had before. Yeah, it, it, it's much easier to change when you have nothing to begin with. Okay, yeah. Much, much easier. I think, you know, using Kanban in those different contexts, it kind of it changes the way the organisation works because if you, if you are a, uh, let's say that you're a people team, you're a marketing team, you may be the exec team, if you go down and you see uh, the engineers and they're working in this way they're making their work visible what's not love what's not to love about that it, it cuts down that overhead it gets you closer to the actual work that's taking place and there's less obfuscation there's less confusion and we're collaborating in a way that's different and when, when i think about kanban uh one of the one of the kanban adventures that i've had uh, in my time the one that is probably the most rewarding was getting uh, an exec team to build themselves a Kanban board, to bring out all of their work, to make it visible and to talk about where it was and where it sits in terms of priority, who's overloaded where, because it suddenly changes the way that you see work. You stop obsessing over, am I busy? Like you've said, has my department, has my directorate, has my business unit uh, got enough work on? It's no longer about that. It's the entire system of work. And by getting all of those people together to have the same conversation, and use that tool and extend it all the way through the organization because that's really when we talk about things like the Toyota production system really massive Kanban systems it's about following that golden thread all the way back to actually where the where the iron ore is produced it's the entire value chain and it's only by looking at that entire system that you can take a systemic approach to change things for the better uh, but for me you know in an exec team around a Kanban board, making all of that work visible and, and letting them see that and then them having that penny drop moment where they go, aha, I didn't realize that you've got all of that work. I was just thought I was just completing this work. That's not complete. It's sat on a queue. It's sat in your department. Why haven't we got that out of the door? It's going stale. It changes the way that you think about value and the impact that you have as a company. Yeah, that, I would totally agree with you there. It's it's something I've seen very few places ever actually do. A Kanban board or a Kanban system, whatever you want to call it, above the level of individual teams. And yeah, to a certain extent, they are wasting their time doing things at team level if you're just continually overloading your entire end-to-end -end system. Yeah, I think in in the uh, in the 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 example that I'm thinking of. Uh, we took it as far as we could take it. And what we ended up doing was taking the Kanban board that we built with that exec team and making it visible to the whole organization. So I popped it on the internet in live time. Uh, and before you used to have a situation where one person would say, ah, oh, my thing's important. And somebody else would say, well, my thing's just as important. And you get this argument going off and you would have these teams in the middle that are disempowered. 
they've got no control being pulled from pillar to post. It's not great for the team. A lot of energy is being wasted. But as soon as you started to visualize these things, the, co- the nature of the conversation changed. It was no longer a case of, well, get the team to do the work. Well, actually, no. The problem is not the team. The problem's us. And that's a mm-hmm. different conversation. Yeah, totally agree. And another another side where it would be extremely useful as well is with the likes of sales teams. Sales teams who go out and sell features that maybe don't exist yet because someone has told them, yeah, a team can do it. But when, when it comes to it, all their teams are overloaded and they've no visibility of it. So it's not their fault they're selling something that will never be delivered. It's because no one has showed them what is actually going on in their system. So if you visualize that, your sales teams can't see what is actually happening. They have no capacity to sell any new features, whatever products, whatever you want to call them. And then they stop putting that pressure on the development teams to overload themselves. It kind of brings it full circle, doesn't it? I mean, one of the things that we were talking about towards the beginning of this was why do why do engineers just do engineering? Why do engineers stay 100%, 80% utilized? Well, because that's their job. Actually, their job is not to do that. Their job is to be innovative, have ingenuity, and to ship great products. And that's a team effort. And I think when you get all of that together with the power of Kanban, that's a powerful thing. But I think it's enough to see it. But you've got to listen to those signals because we could be operating a Kanban signal, uh, a Kanban system. We could be getting all the all of these signals. You could see work, uh, you know, splitting out of people's ears. You know, the testers is the testers could be under a huge amount of pressure, or other people in that value chain. And we're looking at the wrong place. I think it takes a really strong organization to actually look at what the Kanban board is saying, just like, you know, we would use uh, retrospectives in Scrum, actually use the actionable, agile insight and say, actually, we need to change the way that we work because if we don't, nothing's going to get any better. We're just paying lip service to these things. And going back to uh, the thing that we were joking about earlier, we talk about things like, you know, Scrum events, retrospectives. Well, you know, it's an event good stuff comes out of it as long as you put the effort in if you don't you might as well call them ceremonies or worse rituals Mm -hmm. yep totally agree with you i mean how many organizations do a retrospective of their entire value stream very very few and even in how many organizations do all the parts of that value stream actually talk to each other do engineers ever talk to sales generally no um, the product manager sits in the middle and tries to, to a certain extent, moderate between both sides there, but just let them talk to each other directly in the first place. Wise words. And I think that's a really good place to wrap up. Been a really good conversation, Darren. Thanks so much for, um, for sharing. This is, the, this, is the, this is the point now, though, where we, uh, we let you be a bit selfish and you can plug any of your social pages or, or the, um, the, the business page or, or anything that you'd like, um, this, is your, this is your time to do that. Well, I, I really don't have a huge, huge amount to plug, guys. Um, I've been involved with uh, ProCanban.org for the past, that's uh, probably six or more months. Um, I'm, I'm actually a, a certified trainer with ProCanban. Haven't had the time or space as yet to actually run any training with those folks. 
I will eventually. Uh, so if, if anyone's interested in maybe doing one of Pro Kanban's training courses, which are really sensible, um, they're really practical as well. Um, you would learn a lot of new stuff on those. Feel free to check out the people who are offering courses over on ProCanban.org at the moment. Um, hopefully I will get myself on there at some point soon. Even, even though I've said that, though, anytime, if anyone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn or elsewhere, Twitter, email, whatever, for any sort of Kanban advice, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, within reason, I'll do it for free. Um, but generally, if, if anyone wants to reach out to me or ask questions or criticize whatever, throw, throw any awkward questions at me, I'm more than happy to, to answer those. Sounds like an awesome offer. Thank you, Darren. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Uh, I have learned a hell of a lot. It's been great to have such a deep conversation with you. And uh, I know when we were talking about uh, uh, how we were going to uh, frame this, I think the the title and the summary of, of this talk was how I fell in love with Kanban. But my goodness, the way you describe it, I'm in love with it too. <laughs> Thank you very much. I have I have a new convert. I'm happy. Fantastic. Brilliant. Remember, you can get us on Twitter uh, at the Retro Pod. Um, and thanks for listening. Take care. Bye bye.